0: Welcome to Earl Stewart on Cars with Earl and Nancy Stewart. Reach them with your questions at 877-960-9960.
1: Here's Earl and Nancy. Good morning, everybody. Boy, the week flew by pretty fast. Uh, My name is Earl. This is Earl Stewart on Cars. And we're kind of an unusual radio show to be on the oldie channel. We're not a musical show. We're an all-about-cars show. All about how not to be ripped off by your car dealer when you're buying or leasing or maintaining or repairing your car. I think you will find uh, probably one of the most unusual shows on radio. Now, I know that sounds like a, a superlative. That sounds like, you know, it, it can't possibly be. There are a lot of really crazy shows out there. But I scratch my head and I think and I say, is there another show I've ever heard of, I've been around for a long time, that actually does mystery shops of car dealerships and reports the real story the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, Name names, name car dealerships. And we've been doing this on Earl on Cars for over ten years. Amazing thing is we've never been sued by a car dealer. I should knock on wood, here's some right here. Knock on wood, we've never been sued. Even though we have said some pretty rough things about car dealers. Uh, I mean, to the point where we've called some of them thieves liars i mean that's libelous slanderous could be it could be but (laughs) uh well it could be if it's not true and of course that's the key if there are any attorneys out there listening you know that the perfect defense against libel or slander is the truth and we always tell the truth and uh sometimes the truth is hey that's a pretty good dealer you should buy a car from that dealer and we put them on our recommended dealer list but if they're not we put them on our do not buy from this dealer list. Now, I'm talking about the mystery shopping report, and that is the highlight, I think, of the show. But probably the meat and potatoes, or I should say broccoli and spinach of the show, that really can get you going and healthy and, and have a pleasant experience uh, throughout your car buying, leasing, maintaining, and repairing um, adventures, is uh, our information. Uh, we We have a team of... I'll call them experts, unashamedly, in the studio right here. Um, I'm one of four people. Uh, To my right is Rick Kearney. Rick Kearney is a... You're not going to know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to call him an auto-computer scientist. You probably would think of him as a mechanic, depending on how old you are. If you're a little younger, you think of him as an auto-technician. If you're a millennial, you know what I'm talking about. Auto-computer technician, because he tells you about... Those rolling computers on wheels that we call cars, and that's what they are. Rick has worked uh, with me for over 20 years. Uh, he is overeducated. Uh, you have to be overeducated today to understand when you pop a hood on a car. When's the last time you looked under the hood of your car? Think about it. Uh, what you saw was a giant monolith, a few modules. Uh, you know you didn't see any spark bugs you didn't see any coils or distributors or carburetors uh you old guys will remember that but all you saw is a bunch of computers and that's the way cars are diagnosed and repaired these days uh next to rick kearney is nancy stewart she's not my sister she's my wife good morning everyone good morning and she's our co-host and uh, uh she is uh a woman's advocate. I say that unashamedly. Uh, this is a exciting new era we're living in. Wow. You ladies out there have got to be excited to have uh, been alive in the hashtag MeToo time when the reality of the fact that women have been treated fairly shabbily for a long, long time has come to light. And there's a whole lot of things being done to... Uh, well, change that. Uh, one, of the, one of the areas and businesses that treat ladies the most shabbily are car dealers. Uh, one of the reasons the show exists is because car dealers treat you the same way they treated you 50 years ago. It's a retail business. And they're still doing the retail business they w- they did in the 1950s and the 1960s. Uh, bait and switch advertising, unfair and deceptive trade practices. Uh, you would not believe the tactics. By the way, stay tuned to today's mystery shopping report because we've been doing this for over 10 years. We have never seen a car dealer this bad. Mm. I mean, mean, for you regular listeners, you've heard us talk about Napleton, and you've heard us talk talk about uh, Greco and some other car dealers out there, uh, Al Hendrickson, Toyota. We've talked about, we've really had some, we laugh and we cry at the same time because it's terrible what they do to the folks that go into their car dealerships. But we went into a dealership today that makes them look good Mm -hmm. by comparison. Now... I'm not going to tell you the name of the car dealership. Why? Because there's a bunch of car dealers out there listening and car dealership employees. And they are wondering, I wonder if it's me. So you're not going to find out. You just have to stay tuned. Keep listening because it could be your dealership. I mean, we go from Vero Beach to Fort Lauderdale. You're not safe if you're... If you're in Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach County, Martin County, Port St. Sien- you're not safe. Could be your dealership, and we will announce the name of the dealership that we mystery shopped. That will go in the record books of Earl on cars as the most outrageous. God, I can't think. It's Com- a, comical, comical. Yeah. I hate to say comical because what they do to the people that really get. Swindled, and people do get taken advantage of, lied to, uh, sold cars that are dangerous. That's tragic, then. Tra- it's a tra- it was a tragedy. Tragedy, but for some reason it's so outrageous. Anyway, it's just my perverted sense of humor. I apologize for that. Uh, <clears throat> now, as we go- we're going around the table, we're talking about Nancy Stewart, strong female advocate, and she will remind you over and over again that we, we need female callers. And as long as Annie's... I uh, just said, Annie, I just Annie popped up. <laughs> Annie, hang on, uh, please. Uh, she just called in because thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Nancy, you welcome Annie to the show, and we'll, we'll, we'll get with her in just two minutes.
2: Good morning, Annie, and thank you for calling the show. We'll be right with you. We have a couple of things to uh, begin our show with.
1: Yeah, I just want to introduce Stu because we got around, and Stu uh, occupies a unique position because... I can't just, you know, I'm 77 years old, I've been doing this for like 50 years. Uh, I um, I don't see things the way the young folks see them. So Stu is kind of like our millennial guy, and he sees the internet as one of the most important uh, ways to buy cars. And so he not only sees the internet that way, he also sees the internet as uh, your salvation. Uh And he will give you some important tips and ideas and suggestions. He's spreading the word also by the internet. And because we can't talk to people in conventional terms like we normally do uh, radio, uh, even uh, television, newspaper, uh, the old forms of communication it's all about cyberspace and the internet. Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I mean, Twitter has become uh, huge. I mean, with our pre- <coughs> our president, uh, Elon Musk. Uh, so so cyber communication is very important, and that's what Stu Stewart will do. Now, let's welcome our first caller. Nancy, please.
2: Good morning, Annie. Uh, before I introduce you, I am going to introduce uh, our telephone number where you can reach us, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, also what's very important is the first two new lady callers. You win yourself $50. Now we'll introduce Annie. Good morning, Annie.
3: Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Earl, and all your wonderful staff there.
0: Good morning.
3: Well, I want to talk to you about my car. And it's a 2015 Ford Explorer. It's literally falling apart. The car handles, the driver's door, just fell off. So I now have to crawl into the passenger side. Oh no! The inside, yeah, the inside panels—it's all leather, but it's peeling away from like where the window it meets the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, the glove box just literally fell off the hinges, and
0: so. What year is I, this 2015? 2016.
3: 2016. Yeah, wow. and. Yeah, and a friend of mine uh, looked it up, and she said, Annie, I found this thing on uh, as she Googled it, and it appears it might be uh, under some kind of lemon law or some kind of, uh, there's a, uh, other, many other cars that, that same year with the same problem.
1: Hmm.
0: Well, we're, we're Googling this right now ourselves.
1: <laughs> Annie, uh, how, how many miles do you have on this car?
3: Uh, hang on a second.
1: I have $50,000. Uh, 50 Five-zero. Five zero. Five zero. You know, um, your car is very uh, close. I'm not sure of the exact warranty. I, I believe you would be under the powertrain warranty. You're probably out of the um, warranty that would cover things like uh, doors. But I think you're a great candidate uh, for something called goodwill, which is when you have problems like this that uh, are slightly outside of warranty, you're in warranty on time but you're out just a little bit on mileage. Uh, have you spoken with your Ford dealer?
3: I called the GM. He's out of town for the weekend. He said, bring it to him on Monday. Yeah. Uh, now I'm looking at the, the link that my friend sent me. It says Ford Explorer TVS, car complaints and there were multiple cars like this that had the same kind of complaint.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I need to tell you uh, is that the lemon law is a powerful tool but one thing that you always want to do is you you need to go through the process with the manufacturer and the dealer it's really with the manufacturer Uh, the lemon law when you invoke it when you and it is powerful when you invoke the lemon law uh... the communications are shut off between you and the manufacturer and the dealer the the manufacturer tells the dealer you may not speak to this customer regarding this issue because it is a legal issue and they turned it over to their attorneys. And of course, um, you have, you can have your attorney and that's the reason. So it's better to, to resolve these things fr- in a friendly, amical way if at all possible. Now the Lemon Law, probably the greatest strength of the Lemon Law is the implied threat. So you don't want to, you can talk about the Lemon Law, just don't formally invoke it. When you invoke it, Uh, It has to be in writing, and you have to give the uh, manufacturer and the dealer three attempts to repair it. That's the Florida Lemon Law. Each state's a little different. So uh, with that said, uh, uh, I think uh, Stu and Rick are both frantically uh, Uh going through the uh, Internet to see what they can find out about this issue.
0: At a quick glance, I can just tell you that there's lots of complaints over a a very widespread... uh, variety of issues with uh with the 2016 ford explorer mm-hmm. You yeah. haven't anyth- found anything <coughs> with the door yet is this an electrical problem with the door lock or is it um a latch or what's going on with the door
3: nope the whole handle fell off
0: oh the handle fell off mechanical yeah. yeah i haven't seen that yet but i found it on
4: car complaints did you okay. uh they're, they're uh, talking yeah. about the handles ah. falling off the, the door panels
0: peeling uh yeah there's there's quite a few issues already Oh, that's under the body and body body problems. Yep. Uh, the, yeah. Pretty high occurrence of, of complaints
1: there. Yeah. Annie, which dealer are you working with?
3: Uh, uh, uh our package. and uh, I will say they have been wonderful.
1: Okay. Well, that's great. Now you got a dealer that works with you well. That's uh, really nine ninety percent of the challenge. And if you could get speaking to somebody that'll work with you. Uh, the fact that these issues are on the internet and obviously Ford is aware of them. There could be technical service bulletins addressing these issues. Uh, Your challenge will be your car being slightly out of warranty and remember this word because everybody in the car industry knows it well. It's called goodwill. Goodwill means a repair on an issue that is out of warranty and the goodwill most most likely will happen when your car is close to warranty, and yours is very much and also when it's a well-known problem. Uh, now goodwill will not necessarily uh, pay the whole thing, although in your issue I think it should. I think it should cover the total cost of repair. Sometimes the goodwill will cover 75%, maybe 50%. It's a negotiable issue and I would stand firm on 100% when I talk to Al Packer. And when you're talking to Al Packer, go up the line as far as possible. The owner of Al Packer's name is Mark. Mark Packer.
3: I know I know him very, very well and very he's great. a wonderful man. As a matter of fact the general manager I, I text him on the phone. Yeah, great. And uh, he got he he's he's on vacation with his children but he uh, he got back to me immediately he said I uh, took the kids uh, for the weekend before school starts. Bring it over to me Monday. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I feel, but I, I'm just thinking to myself personally at this time. I'd just like to get rid of the car,
1: yeah.
3: and get a, a different car. And I was, I was wanting to know, look at some of the because uh, my sweetie keeps telling me, uh, which you know him in the morning from Sunshine Club, Greg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on Greg. Yes, indeed. And uh, and he said, let's just. Just get rid of both of the cars. So he's been looking at, at uh, Toyotas and stuff, and I like the SUV. I I, I had, I was in a, a Mercedes since from the age of 18 till I got into an SUV, and I said, I'll never go back in a regular car. It, uh, it's just I like the comfort of it. I, I work. I have a lot of things in my car. I'm constantly traveling, and so it works for me, and I feel a comfort level in the SUV. So mm-hmm. uh, Greg wants us to look at some of your cars.
1: Well, that's good. Uh, I would say this, however, Annie. You don't want to tell Al Packer that you're thinking about buying a Toyota right now. You want him to do everything <laughs> he can to fix that Explorer. So y- you tell you tell Al Packer that, you know, you want to get it fixed. I don't know whether you want to tell a little white lie and say, you you You're thinking about buying another one because it would be a lie. But uh, you want to be as friendly as possible when you're trying to get them to go to Ford Motor Company and get permission to repair repair your car under goodwill. Uh, Because if they wanted to be uh, tough with you, they could say, sorry, it's out of warranty. There's nothing I can do. So you want to be friendly and nice and make them think like they're earning a customer for life. And then once you get the car fixed, it's going to be worth more in the trade-in. So wherever you trade the car in, when, it's, when the door handle doesn't fall off, it's going to get appraised for more money than it would otherwise. So get it all
0: fixed up. But tell them you're going to drive Explorers for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, quite frankly, I wouldn't have a problem with that, and it really wouldn't be a white lie. I mm-hmm. mean, because there you go. I wouldn't have I've been I've been very happy with it. Oh, I just cost myself
1: a sale. How do you like that? <laughs> but that's okay. Just read consumer <laughs> reports about the SUVs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Annie, I would love to hear from you again next week if you could call us next Saturday, because this is such a typical problem with folks out there, and uh, it involves a lot of things: the lemon law, uh, psychology, warranty. Uh, and dealing with the dealer and the manufacturer so uh, when you go through what you do very fortunate that you know mark backer i know you'll mention that often because it's important Uh, nancy has a a comment
2: annie before we let you go i just want to let you know that uh, ladies do know how to be sweet don't we You'll be able to get that job. Yeah, you'll be able to get that job done. Uh, But a little more information, if you do decide uh, to go in the other direction, meaning a Toyota or Nissan, Honda, Uh, there is so much information at your fingertips if you go to uh, or pick up consumer reports. They have. Several terrific used car picks in their September edition. And uh, also, it might be worth your while to, uh, if you don't already have the April edition for the auto issue, there is just loads of information there on best used cars under $20,000. And also, they will give you a list of recall and safety updates and the best new cars. For under $30,000. So there's some information for you. And
3: that's vitally important because I, I, I do know that knowledge is power, that's for sure. We all know that. But in having that information at your fingertips, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes,
2: I say that every Saturday, knowledge is power. And uh, one other thing, power in numbers. I believe wholeheartedly that we do not go into a dealership alone or making any other purchase. It's always beneficial to have two people with you. Annie, stay on the line. I'm not sure if you have any other questions or not, but uh, we want to take your information so we can get that check out to you. (coughs) You won yourself $50.
1: And thank Greg for watching the sunrise every morning with me.
3: Yes, indeed. We we do every morning.
2: We have a lot of fun with that. We certainly do.
3: We certainly do. And uh uh <laughs> those dogs this morning were wonderful.
2: Did you like that? <laughs> K Poppy and yes. Chibi Chew. Uh
3: Chibi Chew. <laughs> I'm the one that's always riding free bear <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh really? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah.
3: Well you got I your day. I thank you for the information. It's very informative, and, and uh, keep it up. You're doing a great job. Thanks, thank Anna. you
2: Thanks. from all of us here on the panel.
3: You're very welcome. Spread have the word. Okay, I
2: certainly will. Thank you.
1: 877 And we've got some text backing up here. Uh, Stu, how about reading the first text that came in?
0: All right, no problem. So we have a text great question says good morning how accurate is the temperature that shows on the dash my camera can say it's 95 the radio may say it's 91 and if i'm passing a sign with time and temperature it might might say 93 yes the bottom line is that it is darn hot out but how accurate is the reading my car is giving me just wondering i think that's a rick question i don't know (laughs) rick what do you think
4: well the interesting part there is that that temperature sensor is located in the front of the car in the bumper and it's it's where the airflow can come across it but if your car is sitting still that thing's only about a foot and a half to two feet above the the asphalt Mm. so it may get some reflected heat so 95 degrees 91 and 93 you know those those temperatures are always going to vary a little bit just due to whether you're near something very hot like the engine the asphalt of the road yeah or whether it's, you know, like the radio station that's saying 91 degrees, their temperature sensor may be 10 feet off the ground. Yeah. And some other sign may be, I don't know, 100 feet off the ground. So,
0: well, I was just showing. You're going
4: to get slight differences. I, w- I was showing Earl a
0: picture here that I took of my dash, and maybe I'll get it on the, uh, on the camera. On the camera. Yeah. This was on Thursday. <laughs> my temperature reading is 109 degrees. Yep. It felt like Sitting it. Sitting right down on right.
4: that asphalt where that Baking, hot exactly. asphalt, the heat is just yeah. building right up under I'd it. Been, I'd have
1: been afraid to get out of the car. Yeah. <laughs> no that was airport, right when I got in the car. <laughs> I would dial 911 <laughs> right. and, and uh, have someone bring me a cold suit. Exactly. Put yeah. a cold pack I
2: got out of the car and I made breakfast <laughs> right there on the... Just cracked it on yeah. the hood. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: You can do that. We got another text, did not we, Stu? (laughs) We do. Uh, Let's see.
0: Excuse
2: me, Stu. Uh, Mark, we know you're uh, calling us and you're on hold, and uh, we're going to go ahead and take your call. Good morning.
5: Good morning. How are you all? Great. great. Uh, You talked about the repairs to cars, and, of course, if you have a good dealer to work with and and you're getting somewhere, that's fine. But I'll tell you, I've had two incidents over the last several years where I've had to use the release bond law in Florida. Are any of you familiar with what I'm talking about there?
1: Uh, Repeat that, please, Mark.
5: Okay, there is a law in Florida. I can't quote you the name of it or the number of it, but, uh, for example, I had a a truck, a company truck, in a paint shop a few years ago and uh, took the driver to pick up the truck after it was painted and ready to be picked up. Uh And uh, the rear bumper was missing off the van. Mm-hmm. And I asked the body shop, I said, well, what'd you do with the bumper? Oh, we <laughs> left it outside one night. Somebody stole it. That's not our our problem. We can't deal you know, with that. <laughs> wow. That, that is and, outrageous. And, and, I, and, and the, the bill for the, the job they did was much more than what the bumper was worth. Mm-hmm. So I got a copy of their bill. I took it to the clerk of the court. You get a relief bond which orders the sheriff to enforce the release of the vehicle. Wow. And essentially what happens is you go there, if they don't give it to you and they read the bond uh, and read the court order, you call the sheriff or whoever is the local police in that jurisdiction, mm-hmm. and they enforce that release. In other words, uh, anytime time, like if you're given an estimate and, and the bill is much more than the estimate that you agreed to,
6: mm-hmm. you
5: can do that in, in just about any case. Now, if they fail, you have to put up all the money in the clerk's report. uh-huh if they, if they fail to file suit against you within 90 days, the clerk will refund all of your money and they have no more recourse.
1: Wow. Mark, I, this is the reason I love this show, because the, the, the callers teach me things. Now, I knew about why they c- hold your cars called the mechanic lien law, yeah. and anytime you have your car repaired, uh, there's a law that says if you don't pay the mechanic, you can't get your car, and he can keep your car. In fact, he can actually sell your car and to get paid. It's a really, really onerous law, and it, uh, most people don't even know about it, but I never knew that there was another law, which you just described, that is the defense yeah. against the Mechanic Lean Law. I found it right here. And Stu found it on Oh, sure, yeah. Wow.
5: Yeah, it, it's, it's there. And another thing that I have dealt, uh, and, and your, your man, Alan, who I dearly love, uh, has made three body repairs to a Lincoln Town car that I had. I just recently sold it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was rear-ended three times over the last seven years and that was like my work car, and and Alan took it. And I, I like your body shop because number one, you don't use reclaimed parts, and you don't, mm-hmm. you know, fix stupid stuff. You, you use new parts. The insurance companies, by the way, I got to tell people, really don't like you a lot, and that's what I like about <laughs> we <know> you. That. <laughs> so, yeah, car But what insurance I did <laughs> after each of those accidents, when everything was said and done, I asked the the at fault uh, parties insurance company. I said, okay, now we have to talk about the diminished value of my car. And they said, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I said, come on now, let's quit playing games. You know what I mean. My car is going to have a car fax report. The value of it is going to be less than it was before the accident. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to be compensated for. So in each case, it's funny, three different insurance companies. In each case, they said, okay, well, we'll give you $500 for diminished value. <laughs> I said, I said, really? They, uh, I said, that's not going to work. And they said, well, what will work? I said, 3000 <laughs> And they're like, well, where did you get that figure? Mm-hmm. I said, well, I, I pulled it out of my uh, same place you <laughs> pulled your 500 out of. Uh, I
3: love it. <laughs> and in, in one
5: in one case, they actually hired a lawyer to, uh-huh. to, to defend themselves, and he eventually said that against his... Uh, his advice, they're going to pay it. So I collected nine thousand in diminished value. Wow, good for you uh, for that for that car that I recently sold for two thousand yeah. dollars. By the way, that had two hundred ninety one thousand miles on it. Um, but but diminished value, and again, that thing about uh, the dispute, and and you just pay the money into the registry court. They give you a court order right there from the clerk. And again, uh, if they don't bring action against you to collect that, which I used it twice. Uh, once was with the international truck dealer, and one was with an independent paint and body shop. Um, but the international harvester dealer uh, quoted repairs of 1900 went to pick up the vehicle. It was like $3,300. Uh, I just went to the clerk's office, put up the money. They never said a peep and 90 days later we got all the money back so the repair cost nothing i was willing to pay for the repair uh, that wasn't the problem i was willing to pay what i should have paid not sure. what they overcharged or didn't did you get, get a, authorization for
1: did it. you get an estimate in in both instances mark uh of the repairs
5: Oh yes. Yep. yes. I always get a written
1: estimate. <clears throat> yeah, that's a that's something a lot of people don't realize that you have that right in Florida and it just should be automatic. You know, when you go in to get a car fixed, always get an estimate in writing and initial it. Uh, so that they know that you and the and of course the mechanics should initial it to the or the company. And uh, they have to stay within ten percent of that estimated repair. Mark, if there was a prize for the most informed, interesting uh... In, in this case entertaining caller you get it because uh... first of all you, you, you told me something i had no idea about you brought up this whole concept of mechanic lean and getting estimates uh... That, uh is so important And you talked about diminished value and uh... that's one of the best kept secrets uh... one of the insurance companies one of the reasons the insurance companies hate us on this show is we we, we talked about it before and uh, we even recommend, I listen, I don't like lawyers. I, I'll tell you that up front. I've got some good friends that are lawyers, and they understand I don't like lawyers, but they're still, personally, I like them. But I'm going to recommend a lawyer, Gordon & Donner, the firm of Gordon & Donner. They are, one of their specialties is diminished value. And uh, they just have a template for it. Uh, you know, it just and in, in, in 20 minutes they can get you a t- uh, diminished value claim and the mechanics uh, or the uh, the auto repair shops uh, a lot of times don't know about it but you should always collect for the from the insurance company for the diminished value as Mark described because once your car has been in an accident you can fix it perfectly the car can be better than new shiny and bright and you look at it you can't tell it was an accident As Mark said on the Carfax report, everybody knows. And that means your car is worth less. But the insurance company doesn't take that into consideration when they settle your claim. Gordon and Donner will see to it that your insurance company will settle properly.
5: Oh, Earl, last week I went into a business on North Lake Boulevard. It will not be named, but they're a good business. Mm -hmm. And uh, the lady who works for the front desk, I had told her months ago... She had a Toyota, uh, not Toyota, an Altima, Nissan Altima, Mm -hmm. and the dashboard dashboard literally was melting in her car. Mm
6: -hmm.
5: Well, a good friend of mine who also has a business on North Lake Boulevard, the vacuum store there, he had the same problem, and he didn't do anything about it. He doesn't take care of cars. He just doesn't care about that stuff. Uh But I told her about that because Nissan was telling her, that there's nothing they could do, it wasn't under warranty. The car was like four years old, three and a half or whatever. And, and that's just too bad. Those things happen. And I told her about this deal. She went and said, I want you to replace the dashboard. I don't care. Just replace it. And they did. She went to pick it up. She got a copy of the invoice. She went to the clerk. She put up the money. They released the car. Ooh. And just two, two weeks ago, she went back and got her money from the clerk. Wow.
1: I'm telling you. You know, Toyota Toyota had a huge problem with the melting dashes. I you know all about and, that. And uh, Hondas and Nissans, and uh, it was a fight, a battle. I had no idea that you could use this tool and go to the local court. Wow, this is
5: really yep. And uh, and, and by the way, you can go to the court and just walk in, walk out with the release bond. I mean, wow. you can do all this in an hour and a half. Okay? Love it. It's not you know i love it it. it 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 and and you know what will happen on on the on the ultima uh-huh. the, the dealer is going to complain to the manufacturer they're going to get credit for it uh-huh. and they, they have to sure uh, yeah, if do. they don't uh, the heck with it you know
1: I, I think you, you've given me an inspiration for my next blog, Mark. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you credit for my inspiration and the information <laughs> <laughs> for my <next laughs> blog article. Yeah, I emailed you
0: the statue, so you got you got <laughs> material to work with.
1: You're the greatest. I'm gonna tell Alan you called, and uh, we're gonna All try, right, buddy. we're gonna try to get Alan on the show next week because Rick
5: is gonna be off. We're gonna try to get a, two weeks. Oh, now. two
1: weeks from now. fifth. We'll have Alan on two weeks from now.
5: So yeah, thanks. For Alan taking- will know about the, the the tan Lincoln Town Car that he. Has fixed on three different occasions for <laughs> me. All right. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, uh, Hey, Ma- well, Mark. You uh, guys have a good day.
2: Mark, we need take to care. travel in your circle. You'd be a great asset to us.
5: small circle, I gotta tell you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I bet it is. Thank you, Mark. All
5: right. Take care. Have a good
2: morning. 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Also, uh, you uh, you can listen to Earl Stewart on Cars anywhere, anytime, by listening to our podcast. You can listen to Earl Stewart on Cars podcast on the Apple Podcast app, SoundCloud, and just about anywhere podcasts are found. For a full list, just go to Earl Stewart on Cars. Our next caller is Bob, and he's calling from Lake Park. Hey, Bob.
1: Right. What's on your mind, Bob? I was wondering if you saw an article in the USA
7: today about the uh, fellow that went in and tried to uh, use the Internet uh, sales department at the car dealership. Mm-hmm. Did you read that article?
1: I know. I missed that. I have USA Today, but mm-hmm. I haven't read that yet.
7: Yeah, it's in it's in the money section if you have the app on your phone. Okay. And what he did was he went on. You know, it, it's very popular these days to go and use the internet sales department mm-hmm. and get the you get the the price you price it out. And he he did that, and he thought he got a great deal on the car, and uh, he went down to the dealership and they introduced him to a salesperson. And the salesperson took him for a test drive, and everything was good up to there. And then as soon as they came back, everything changed.
1: Mm-hmm. What did they do? Uh, uh, raise the price that they had on the Internet? Or, uh,
7: no, what they did was they tried to renegotiate the price starting from the MSRP.
1: <laughs> wow.
7: And they, and they kept them there for over four hours. And wow. this was an educated guy. I think, I think, actually, he writes for the USA Today. I think that's why he put it on there. It's a very interesting story. <laughs> yeah. He Found said the they article. tried to wear them down. They had there forever. Yeah, I had all these different people. They were shuffling around the different people. The price kept changing, and uh, by the end of the day, you know, he felt like walking out, but he had, he had spent the whole day there to get this yeah. car. Yeah, so he felt
0: packed. This article reads like one of our mystery shopping reports.
1: Yeah, Bob. One of the uh, you know what I would have uh, said to the guy if he'd uh, asked me about this, um, the danger of going into a car dealership. Uh, without having gotten the price on the internet. The beauty of the internet is when you are sitting on in front of your computer or your smartphone and you're communicating with a car dealer he knows he can lose you real quickly and when you ask for an out-the-door price he has a choice do I give it to them or do I risk never hearing from this caller or texter or uh, emailer again. So well, he had he well, had he, well, he went he had he had it all printed out.
0: Oh, they he had given it. him a oh. price
7: over the internet. Oh. They, they ignored it. <laughs> he had it. He had the paperwork with him when he went over there. Oh. And, and and then they tried to do this. Try to renegotiate the price. You got to read the article. It's extremely I will. interesting. I will. That, what, what they tried to do to, to this guy? And uh, they, you know they they, 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 they just. I, I think it was just a concerted effort here to try to squeeze them for more money
1: sure yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna find that article Bob and I'm gonna uh, post it on Facebook and we'll uh, publicize that I wish the media would do more of this we find the media very timid about attacking car dealers because they're so important to advertising uh, uh, newspapers television radio all the media rely heavily on local car dealers think about it. What local business spends more money on local media than a car dealer? So when a car dealer pulls out of the advertising, they can really crush a radio station, a newspaper. Uh, We were actually thrown off a radio station a few years ago when the car dealers got together who were advertising on the station. It was called Seaview. It was the same call letter. It was 95.9, but it was by a different owner. And uh, they came to the owner. They said, look... Stone and cars you drop them as a show or we're gonna boycott we will not advertise general manager came out to me and said I'm sorry Earl we love your show we like you, but we gotta tell you you can't be on the show and you can't run your show anymore so uh, I admire USA day for the uh, courage to stand up to the not just auto dealers but manufacturers because they have powerful powerful uh, lobbying uh, capabilities as well as pulling their advertising
7: well, oh, that fellow had called previously about the uh, going to court. Well, what was the uh, law that he was using to get his refund on his uh, car?
1: Stu, you, you pulled it up on said? the... Um, it's on the, a release bond. It's a relief. Release. R-E-L-I-E-F. Nope, release. Release. R-E-L-E-A-C. Yes, release. Like R-E-L-E-A-C. Yes. Release. release. It's a release bond. You go to the clerk of the court, and apparently it's common. They know what it is and say, I got my car at ABC Chevrolet, uh, I owe them uh, $3,000, but they did a terrible repair, and then you'll have to put up a bond, and they will give you a release to take to the ABC Chevrolet, and by law, they have to give you your car. Then they have, as I recall, something like 90 days to file suit to dispute your release, and if they don't sue you, which nine times out of ten, apparently, when they know they're wrong, they're not going to waste the money to hire a lawyer. And you got your car, and you get your money back.
7: Right. So you. So in other words, well, wouldn't they release your car if you if if you went ahead, if you had a dispute, but they they don't want to release your car, so you go ahead and pay them anyway, and you so you can get your car out of there, and then then you could go down to the court. If you do it that way, they hold they
1: your money. yeah, they wouldn't release the car because there's something called a mechanic lien law. They have the legal right to keep your car until they get paid. So <clears throat> you have to let them keep your car until you get the release bond, then you take it back, and then they have to release your car. That's the reason they call it a release bond. That's right. And then
7: oh, I thought I thought he said that the, the some somebody went back and had, had paid and then went back two weeks later and got their money
1: back. Well, you get your money back on the bond. You have to put up the, the bond. Oh, on the bond. Yeah. On the bond. On the bond, yes.
7: Right. Yeah, how much does that cost? Did you say what the pro- cost was for the bond?
1: I don't know. Uh, maybe we can find that on, um, online. Uh, according,
4: according to Surety1.com, it's an additional $1,000 or
1: 25% of the amount demanded in the lien, whichever is greater. Okay, so... So the uh, how this, so this is new to us. Ex- excuse the fumbling, Bob. So uh, the, you pay for the bond, $1,000 or 25%. Whichever is greater. Whichever is greater. And then you get your money back on the bond, and uh, you, you get your, uh, your car back. But if they don't file suit, then they don't get their money. Right. So so you come out of it clean, you get you get your money back on the bond and you don't have to pay for your repair. If they do nothing, then you get
4: everything back. Yes. And it, it says also you have to give them the um, you have to put into that bond. You have to put the amount of the lien, the amount of money that they're asking for plus an interest rate equal to the legal rate for up to 3 years. And then, they, and then that $1,000 or the 25%, so you're, you're putting a bit at risk, so if they do decide to sue you and they win, mm-hmm. then that's what, that 25% or $1,000 goes to cover the legal costs yeah. and attorney's fees.
1: So what the courts are saying is you better be real sure that they're wrong and you're right because you have a lot at risk. Right. And the courts and the... Time and trouble the court goes through, uh, they're going to keep all your money if is if it's a, um, a bad call. In other words, if you made a mistake and the and the repair person was right and you were wrong, you're going to lose your money. So you got to be sure. And <clears throat> in many cases you are sure if you're dealing with an unreputable mechanic or a company, and you just have to be sure you're sure.
7: So the woman, the woman that had the Nissan Altima. The, that got the dashboard replaced and didn't have to pay for it. Uh, she was actually taking a chance because if they weren't legally obligated to replace that, it was out of warranty and it's not covered. They they could actually took her to court.
1: Uh, in that particular case, and I'm familiar with this because we had a huge number of Toyotas with the same problem. Toyota was very reluctant to do anything, and we were. Beaten on the table and calling Toyota, and we were telling them that they're wrong, and we we were able to coerce and shame Toyota into taking care of these vehicles, and then Channel Five WPTV uh, picked up on this and. Uh, their consumer uh, fair reporter came by and uh, filmed our dashes. They were melted and filmed, you uh, know, videoed all the uh, the repairs. I think they even had Rick Kearney involved in a couple of these situations where we were replacing these dashes. And when it finally got out of the media and they picked it up, then Toyota announced a recall on these dashes, and they took every dash, tens of thousands of dashes, dashes times. Three or four hundred dollars per dash. More and than so, that. More than that? How much, Rick? Uh, I would
4: say the part alone was around four hundred dollars. And the repair. And in the labors another
1: several hundred.
4: So yep. you're looking it's six a thousand seven, dollars. Seven. Yeah. Maybe a yeah. thousand. Plus, a lot of these customers received a rental car while <laughs> their car was being repaired. So Can we're me? looking
1: at tens of millions of dollars. <laughs> and when that happened, uh, the other manufacturers jumped on the bandwagon. And I believe Nissan did eventually. So. Uh, in this case here, uh, the court would have been aware that these were defective dash, and a particular manufacturer was responsible for this. And that manufacturer, kind of kind of like the Takata airbag, uh, where they had a defective product that a lot of different auto manufacturers were using. And uh, so the court would have recognized this and said, Boy, uh, this lady's right, and you better give her another dash. All
5: right.
7: Got it. All right. So I, I did see another story about a uh, a fella that wanted to buy a Toyota TRD Pro. You know what these vehicles are? It's like yes. a truck.
1: Yes. Well, so he
7: went down to the Toyota dealership and he went over there and the, and they told him that that particular vehicle didn't exist. <laughs> and then they tried to sell him a different truck that was on their lot. So he wound up walking away and buying a Ford
8: F 150 <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it's hard to uh, shock me about what car dealers say. If you stay tuned for the Mystery Shopping Report uh, coming up at the end of the show, the last half hour, back in about 15 minutes, uh, it is going to absolutely, I don't know whether you're going to laugh or cry or just be frightened. It is, It is what car dealers will do to buyers and customers it's just nothing i, can
7: I, I got it all read that read that story <laughs> on usa today You'll, you're going to love it
1: i'm going to read it and i'm going to post it on facebook bob thank you very much okay, have, a, have a great have a great weekend everyone you
2: too thank you thank you for joining us 877 960 or you can text us at seven seven two four nine seven six five three zero. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Okay, we got a
1: couple of texts, and I after the text, <coughs> Nancy's got a subject on premium or regular gas that is very interesting, and if you could call in on that, uh, it would really be nice. Uh, we want to discuss something. We, Nancy's got some suggestions for you they are going to save you a lot of money. Stu, would you read those texts that we have?
0: Yeah. Uh, we have one that's actually a comment on our live Facebook video, and it's Cable, and he says an airbag-related question. He says, We take, some of us truly love cars. We take great pleasure in keeping our cars for many years and maintaining them perfectly, well beyond what's recommended by the manufacturer. But once a car is 10 years old or older, what about the airbag? Can we assume it's still fully operative? Is there any way to test it as the car moves into its senior years? Can a dealer routinely service it to extend its life? How can we tell for driving around in a car that is both both beautiful and perfect in every way, except for an airbag that is dangerously kaput? And that's Cable in Palm Beach Gardens.
1: Well, that's an amazingly good question, and we've had the question before, and uh, I'm going to defer to Rick, but I, I, I can say this is something that needs to be addressed by the manufacturers because they don't. Uh, there should be an unlimited warranty on your airbag, and there should be a way to test an airbag without actually making it go off. And there should be a way to, for you to be safe in that car, whether it's 10 or 15 or 20 years old. Uh, Rick, uh, you answered this question before. Uh, there's, what can a person do with a 10-year-old car?
4: Unfortunately, there is no way to determine the condition of an airbag except for... <clears throat> The computer can detect whether or not if the wiring to the airbag has an issue. Yeah. But there's no there's no testing to know if the airbag is good. There's just no way to know. Yeah. The only way to actually be sure would be to put a new airbag in. And unfortunately, I have never yet seen any specification from a manufacturer stating the lifespan of an airbag being a, a chemical explosive device... They have never put out saying, this is how long this is good for. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everything else has an expiration date. Milk, batteries, even tires. They say you know, there is yeah. a way to inspect tires that are getting old. But airbags, a, there is no way. There would be
1: a good way. I just have a thought. I hope this auto manufacturers or representatives are listening out there. Think about this. Why wouldn't manufacturers buy old airbags? or buy old cars with airbags and check them. If you're, if you're manufacturing Chevrolet, uh, whatever uh, model you get, just start buying up randomly all over the country uh, airbags and 10-year-old Chevrolets. Take them apart, dissect them, analyze them, check them. What's the failure rate? You find out that there is a very low failure rate, put a warranty. We have an extended warranty on emission control related items. Why wouldn't we have an extended warranty on on airbags? I think there should be a lifetime warranty on airbags, so uh, that is uh, something that should be addressed. Also, consumer reports. They should go into this and analyze it. Uh, We probably should do some more Googling and information seeking on this, because this is really a great text, and I thank you very much. What was the text again, Stu?
0: That was Cable. Cable. Cable
1: Newhouse. Cable Newhouse. Cable, thank you very much. An outstanding text. We have another text, Stu. Yes,
0: we do. Um, Hi, Earl. I discovered your videos on YouTube, and they've been very helpful in my current car search. I'm new to this whole car shopping buying world, and there's just so much to know and research. I had a question. I currently live in Minnesota, but I'm from California. Since this whole car buying situation is overwhelming, my family recommended I fly home to California to do the car shopping buying with them and then drive it back to Minnesota. I'm wondering, if I buy a car in California, is that California dealership able to register my car in Minnesota? Or will I have to pay to register it in California, and then when I drive back to Minnesota, pay to register it again, but this time in my current residential state of Minnesota? Any thoughts, feedback, advice would be greatly appreciated.
1: Thanks. All the states have reciprocal uh, rulings and cooperations. Uh, between them in terms of register, registering cars, so yes, you can buy a car in California, and have it registered by the Department of Motor Vehicles in Minnesota. You you register the car in your where, where your your residency is. So you can buy a car anywhere. We have a lot of people in Florida. They you know come down here for vacation. They buy a car. They go back to Massachusetts which happens to have one of the most difficult um, motor vehicle departments to deal with. But all the different states have reciprocal agreements. So uh, you have to get a temporary tag and use that to drive to the state of your residence. Then you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, and they will register the car wherever you bought it. And I think uh, we are still got some text coming in, don't we? We
0: have one more. This is from Jeff in West Palm Beach. He says... Uh, How are you going to definitively tell the difference between 87 and 93 octane? What are the signs you should look for that tells you it's worth your money? Sounds like a rare question.
2: Before uh, before before uh, you guys answer uh, the question.
1: Yeah, before we get to that, Tina is waiting, and Nancy is going to address the issue of premium gas versus regular. So thank you for the text. Nancy will answer that right after we talk to Tina.
2: Good morning, Tina.
9: Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey, Tina. Hi, how are you? Good. Well, um, I just ha- I, have, I have two things. There's been a big recall with GMC trucks, and it has to do with the trunk latch. And it affects about 1.1 million vehicles. And this is something that GMC truck people, owners, should get fixed as soon as possible because you could potentially be driving down the highway with an unsecured load and not know it. So until so there's a fix for it and they send out the recall notice, they're saying for GMC truck owners to make sure the lights are secured, make sure you have an additional means of securing it rather than relying just on the trunk latch. Hmm.
1: What do you think, Rick? I'm
4: looking, trying to look that up right now on car complaints. I'm not seeing it, but it may take me a moment to find that. But, yeah, uh, the, tr- the tailgate latches on any pickup, Obviously, if they're not secured, that's an incredibly dangerous situation. So, I that sounds like a, a new one, but something very worth putting out
1: there. I see stuff like that all the time, Ken, and it really makes you nervous. I was driving home the other day, and there was some. It was a truck, and a huge truck with a flatbed, and it had this giant slab. I've never seen a slab that big, and it had to be an entire wall in a condominium or something. The thing had to weigh oh tons and tons, and it was chained on both sides of the flatbed. It was the only thing on there. <clears throat> I mean, it was 75 feet long. It was 25 feet tall, and I was terrified. I just got away from that truck, and I'm wondering to myself if that thing ever fell. So I don't know what the rules are. Uh, Rick's got a comment. Well, I, uh, this is crazy coincidence, but a couple weeks ago, my
4: wife and I were driving on Lake Worth Road and saw where a truck had lost a giant concrete I-beam, yeah. had slid right off of the flatbed uh. of that 18-wheeler, and was blocking half the lanes of Lake Worth Road. I mean, it was yeah. it was incredible, this massive Ooh. chunk
1: of concrete.
4: And I, could, I know they had to get a, at least a couple cranes out there yeah. to try to lift that back up.
1: Don't know what the rules are on that, Tina. You raise an excellent subject, but uh, pickup trucks, you see it all the time. You know, the cops have got a lot to do, and we keep asking them to do more and more. I've been asking them to, you know, pull over cars with safety recall problems. But when you think about all the things they need to worry about, you know, is this guy got a red flag on the board sticking out the back of his pickup? Is his latch properly secured on the tailgate of his pickup? Is that slab too big? Is the chain? I mean, uh, look at all the cars on the road. It's a huge problem. I uh it, i just don't know i i'm glad i'm not on the florida highway patrol uh, i just uh i don't know how they do it
9: yeah i don't know either and whenever i am behind i, I drive a small car i drive a toyota yaris i love it by the way it's, mm-hmm. it's a great little car but whenever i'm behind a truck i try to get up from behind it to the best of my ability yeah yeah. and if i would have been in that situation to where i would have seen that huge wall <laughs> i probably would have pulled over into the emergency lane until that thing passed over yeah. Yeah. but i know that on i-95 with the way that some of the exits are constructed in the on ramps and off ramps yeah. that's not necessarily an option
1: yeah. and
9: we won't even talk about driving I- i-95 <laughs> that's a whole other subject
1: yeah the cops have to use a uh, common sense too think of the disruption when you pull over a huge 18 wheeler you pull it over you disrupt traffic in both directions you know the rubberneckers. everybody's got to slow down so at rush hour people get away with things i believe i'm not uh, you know, i've never been a cop although i played one on tv i'm only kidding but but uh <laughs> i've never been a police officer but i got to believe that you you got to use common sense sometimes it trumps the law i mean if you if you stop traffic on the turnpike or i-95 during rush hour uh what is going to cause more problems? That or giving the guy a ticket because there was something wrong with his tailgate. I don't know. Uh, common sense is important for everybody.
9: Yeah, but then again, if the guy lose, loses his uh, loses everything he has in the back, if he loses the wall or loses anything, any kind of item, that can not only cause rubber neckers, but it can cause a pileup sure exactly so i you know and honestly i think if you were a highway patrolman you'd probably be the nicest one that you wouldn't put up with any garbage either Mm -hmm. you'd very nicely tell somebody where they need to go what they need to do and you would very politely write them a ticket
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you well tina thanks again for a great call we we missed you last week you didn't call last week did you Oh, you did? Okay. Uh, yeah, I did, yeah. I
9: called in the second hour. It was the week before that that yeah. I wasn't able to call. We were worried because, had we were worried because, because you hadn't normal, called. So. so
1: thank you so much for being a regular caller. You're the best of the best, and uh, the show wouldn't be what it is without Tina from Bonita Springs.
2: Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good morning.
1: You, you too. too. Thanks.
2: That number again is 877-960-9960, and uh text number is... Seven seven two Don't forget about that new website that you can go to. We talked about it last week, and that is anonymousfeed.com. It's helping us out tremendously. And again, anonymousfeedback.com. 877 960 9960. As I always say, you make the show. Give us a call. Now back to the recovering car dealer.
1: Well, Nancy, I think people would be interested in learning how they can save a lot of money with regard to premium versus regular gasoline. And I know you read an article in Consumer Reports not too long ago, so uh, talk about that a little bit.
2: All right, I will. Um, Premium gas sounds like it's uh, special, pretty special, but it translates into paying extra for higher octane without any performance or fuel economy benefits for many cars. Some cars require premium gas and others simply carry a recommendation recommendation to the owners. We wanted to see whether owners could save money by using regular gas on their cars or merely the recommended premium fuel use. So. We went to uh, Consumer Report and they really broke it down for us. It's a very interesting topic. And you know, Earl and I always talk about the Consumer Report. You can get uh, a lot of benefits by purchasing that subscription. So what I would like to recommend uh, is that uh, you check the Consumer Report. The most important thing to check and the operative words here are manufacture, recommended, or required, recommendations, or required use of premium gas. So d- would you like to join uh, in the conversation on premium versus yeah, the... T- didn't they also w-
1: mention how much money you can save on that? Was at a
2: Yeah, they did have a rundown of how much money you could spend uh, depending upon... How much you use your vehicle, there were a few things uh, What I find informative is, and I never noticed your gas your gas lid when you 're putting your gas into your vehicle. Rick probably knows this, but there is a recommendation right on that door. Mm. I never noticed <clears throat> it, but it 's very helpful, yeah,
1: and as you say, the operative word is recommended or required i don 't like that because. You know, when a manufacturer recommends something, it's kind of like a doctor. They recommend it. You say, well, I better do it. You know, I recommend that you uh, take supplements. I recommend that you stop smoking. Uh, the manufacturers say that, but you don't have to do it. It's not like what a doctor says. And if, if the manufacturer says, I recommend you use premium, then I'm going to recommend you don't use premium. I'm going to recommend yep. you use regular. Uh, the reason manufacturers recommend premium is because it will more likely elim- eliminate all knocks and any kind of performance problems help uh, minimize it. And they want to do that because they don't want complaints. But if you use regular, you can save yourself two or $300 a year. Yes, Rick. Well, the, the interesting part about it
4: is that modern engines, because they're all computer controlled, they have what's called a knock sensor. And so back in the 70s, when you would use regular gasoline and you'd stomp on the gas and you'd hear this knocking sound, that was pre-ignition. Well, not the modern-day cars, as soon as it starts to get the least little bit of knock, the engine changes its configuration and it gets rid of it. The problem is you lose a little bit of that peppy engine feel. You don't get as quite a powerful performance out of it. Mm.
1: Yeah, so th- that's true. But... I think what the manufacturers do is, even with the knock preventer that we have in the modern cars, mm-hmm. the the premium gas will, will have maybe zero knocks. Yep. Uh, and some cars may knock in certain climate conditions or certain uh, humidity conditions. Uh, environment varies all over the planet. The manufacturers build cars. To work on the Sahara Desert and the rainforest of Brazil. So, there's no car that's going to have the same tendency to knock in the rainforest as it does in the Sahara Desert. So, to optimize that situation, the manufacturers say, let's recommend. Premium, right, and, and getting, that way it'll be less likely. Well, they're
2: covering all, all their bases. Uh, yeah. Back to the uh, noise that uh, we, you, and Rick were talking about in the recent uh, issue of Consumer Report. They talk about the lower octane gasoline that causes an occasional metallic knocking noise in the engine. Uh, well, it, it'll it'll result in a decreased engine performance. Back to your to your question about fuel economy. Thirty miles per gallon savings per year, two hundred and nine dollars. Twenty-five miles per gallon, two hundred and fifty-one dollars. Twenty miles per gallon, three hundred and fourteen dollars a year. And, that's and probably also the fifteen miles miles per gallon, four hundred and eighteen. So be very careful. As I said earlier, the operative word. Whether or not the manufacturer recommends you use premium gas, or the low octane gas, but be sure to check your owner's manual.
1: Yeah, whether they recommend or require—that's the operative word. And remember, on this uh, these savings that Nancy was just reading—you know, two, three hundred dollars. That depends on how much you drive. This is for an average driver. And if you had, I believe, for 30 miles on a gallon, it was like $250 uh, a gallon. $209, $209 for 30 000. miles per gallon? Yeah, if you have a 30-mile-per-gallon 30 mi- 30 uh, efficiency on your car. But that's probably for 15,000 miles a year. If you drive twice that, you'll save twice the amount. So you'll save 400 I can see a professional driver uh, saving a year by going to regular gas. I recommend, no matter what kind of car you drive, you try the regular gas. And if it seems to run okay, you will find yourself saving a ton of money. Even if you don't get as good fuel economy, you're going to save a ton of money on the premium. Rick? Yeah,
4: I think that recommended thing is then if you were to come in with a concern and they look at you and they say, Well, are you running premium fuel? and you say no. They say, Well, there's your problem right yeah. there and exactly. they just, that that's their that's their little get out of jail free card. Yeah. They exactly. just use that so they can have an excuse yeah. to say, Nope, that was the problem.
2: They're covering all the you know, bases.
4: Without actually looking to see is there an issue with your car.
2: Right. That said, if owners make the switch and think their car is performing sluggishly, well, they hear the knocking or the pinging. They should go back to premium fuel. Uh, beyond the test findings, uh, it, it's a key to note that uh, car reliability consistently shows that most dependable cars tend to to be uh, those running on regular fu- fuel. So uh, check out that Consumer Report. It has a whole lot of information about premium and low-octane fuel. We're going to go to John, who's holding, and he's uh, calling us from Home City. Good morning, John.
10: Good morning to everyone. I just thought I'd good a little good autumn news. Uh, two weeks from today, is going to be the world's most valuable car ever offered for sale. It's going to be by Sotheby's Auction Company, who's combined with R&M Company in Monterey. The car is a 1962 Ferrari hmm.
6: 250
10: GTO. Only 39 were made from 60 to 62. At new, it cost $18,000. The last one of those, very seldom for sale, but the last one in 2014 at a Bonhams auction, also in California, one sold for $38 million. Yeah. The estimate on this one is $45 million. <laughs> now, I said to myself, Let me do some research as to what company will handle these type of cars. And the company I found was AIG, who insures 18 of the 39 that were made. By the way, all of them exist. One was almost totaled, and it was restored, was put in pieces, and sent back to Ferrari. I don't know what year that was, and it got back to, uh, you know, original condition. But the company is AIG that has 18 of these. The clients are called platinum clients. The average client, they don't say what the rate is, which must be astronomical. The average client has nine homes, $20 million in fine arts, a boat, a plane, a wine collection, and some other half of their garages are full with vintage cars. And that's <laughs> so People thought it's only like uh, the, the antique c- c- uh, insurance companies are like Chubb and mm. Lloyds of London, yeah. Haggerty, but the one that specializes in this is AIG.
0: So they do more and than credit um, default swaps. That's that's good yeah. enough.
10: <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. But, uh, you know, it, it gets more interesting, too, because there is also the same date, there's a uh, collector from Naples, okay? He has quite a few cars. He's putting up a there were only th- three of two of them made, a 35 Duesenberg SSJ. This one was owned by Gary Cooper. Mm. The other one was made for Clark Abel. Probably half of our listeners don't even know who Gary Cooper and Clark <laughs> Abel were. But besides, these were actually owned. This particular car was owned by Gary yeah. Cooper. And the estimate on this Ferrari, I mean uh, Duesenberg, is uh, at least $10 million. Wow! So it's some good news. Yeah. <laughs> There are cars out there that are unbelievable, and nobody would believe a an estimate $45 million 1962 car would uh, bring in a world record like that.
1: Yeah, Rick has I a just comment. Thought I'd can, mention. Can,
4: I, can I give the line uh, <laughs> yes. for Clark Gable? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Thank you very much for that.
10: Well, that's about the size of it, too. But it's interesting because I have followed some of these cars, like Duesenberg. In the 80s, um, they were selling for like a half a million. And then a guy named Tom Monahan, who founded uh, Domino's Pizza, he paid over a million at an auction. And then from there on in, it was up, up, up on prices. So uh, you
1: it's, know what I think it's interesting
10: happen? to know. I think, and yeah. then, by the way, the same Monterey auction, in uh, two weeks from today in California, a tucker is going up for auction, Ooh. too. And most of them Ooh. are all in museums. And uh, that's estimated, I don't have the catalog from them, but yeah, that that's estimated at $1.8 to $2.5 on a Tucker.
1: That's a Tucker with a T. Yep.
10: <laughs> yeah, you yes. know the Tucker that was made in 48? <laughs> Thank you. Everybody the, the, saw, the, the, saw the movie, I'm sure. They adapt the first, adaptive headlight. A, f- turning headlight. a fabulous yeah. car. But mostly all yeah. of them today are in museums.
1: You know what I think's going to happen, John, is all these old guys with uh, all the money are going to die. I mean, that's you know, we're all going to die, Aww. right? And when all the old guys with all this money die, the the value of these old cars is going to plummet. Yep. You know. I mean, what's a millennial care about a 1962 uh, Ferrari 250 GT? Oh, I mean, Don't
0: look at me. Yeah. I'm not a millennial. I'm just a millennial. Of heart. <laughs> <I> on <don't> you <know. laughs> You got a
1: millennial mind, uh, yeah. but uh,
2: what's with the millennial? <laughs> I'm a faux millennial.
1: Hey, when you're 77 years what's old, what's old? What's everybody looks like a millennial. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, John, that's great information. I just, you know, it just boggles my mind. 45 million dollars for a car. I mean, wow. You just, you know, what It sounds
10: unbelievable. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then to insure it, it'd be another problem. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine driving that? Guy gets close to you. you know, Right, you I mean, start sweating. <laughs>
0: yeah. anyway, well, one guy did. He wrecked
10: it through the years. And uh, he really, he wasn't hurt, but racing it. And he didn't want to accept it, it was a good insurance payout. Uh-huh. He said, no, I want this car. And they boxed it up in mostly pieces, sent it back to Ferrari, and restored the car back to the original condition, which they said in excess of what the insurance company would have paid him at the time, but he really didn't
1: care. He wanted that car. Sure. No, it's a romantic thing. I mean, everybody dreams about owning a Ferrari. I mean, everybody my age, I mean, a Ferrari, oh, my God, if you could get a Ferrari, you know, just got close to a Ferrari. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of see it. I just don't see the $45 million. I mean. Yeah. You know,
10: no. Well, I would be happy with the car that I take care of for the summertime <laughs> from my neighbor which is a fifty seven Chevy. And by the way, he paid uh eighty thousand dollars for it at auction mm. but the restoration on that car would have been over so a hundred thousand. Was that a I'd pa- be just happy with a car like that.
1: Was that a power pack? Did it have four barrel carburetor? Yes. Yeah.
10: Yep. Exactly. It yep. was also a fuel injection. When they restored it, they wanted to put a fuel injection on it. He said no. Because the numbers won't match, I want it just the way it was. Sure. you know when it was restored from the factory. But uh, that's the guy he bought it from at auction, and he had bills uh, on that eight, eight, eight uh, time that he purchased it, which oh. was uh, 2015. Uh, they were over a hundred thousand on the restoration. Yeah. And Earl knows firsthand what it can cost a Pontiac that his father first oh, sold. Yeah. You yeah. can have more in a restoration yeah. than the actual car, but it's nostalgia. This guy wanted. 57 because it was the year that he was born so Mm. people have their purpose in owning some of the collector cars
1: and they they pay all the money john thanks very much great call uh, as usual thank you
2: and for the record uh i was impressed with clark but i wasn't (laughs) impressed with his vehicle yes i did date clark gable anyway ladies and gentlemen give us a call you're an important part of the show 877-960-9960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530 and remember you can be the sharpest the shrewdest negotiator on the block but when it comes to purchasing a vehicle two heads are better than one. Give us a call. Give us a call and let us know how your negotiating skills worked, how your car transaction turned out. We'd love to hear from you. You're an important part of the show. Marvin, thank you for holding. Marvin's calling us from Loxahatchee. Hey, good morning,
8: uh, and thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. Um, and it is true, Your your program is Really out of sight. I love it. <laughs>
6: That's Thank the
8: you. The only the only program of its kind on the on the radio. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much.
6: Uh, my,
8: daughter dri- my daughter driving a two thousand and three Nissan Sentra. It's got about fifty thousand miles on it. Uh, she she her horn the horn in the car wasn't working. We took it to our mechanic. In fact, we took it to two mechanics. So I guess what they're telling us is true. It, apparently, the horn is somehow attached to the airbag, hmm. and wow. they're telling us that in order to fix the horn or replace the horn, we have to replace the airbag, and that's wow. a $600 item. Was, huh?
1: this, a, was this a Nissan just, dealer?
8: Just, just to just to get the horn to work.
1: Was, it, was this a Nissan dealer that she took it to? No, no. Oh, a mechanic, no. yeah. A M- mechanic, yeah.
8: Well, uh, uh, Rick, did, did you did you ever hear of anything like
1: that? Uh, no, I, that sounds I'm outrageous.
0: By the expression on Rick's face, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> he's he <stretching> scratching his head. Marvin? What year <laughs> Nissan is this? Two thousand three. A two
4: thousand three Nissan. <laughs> yes. And the horn is connected to the airbag. I have never. Oh wait, okay, wait. I, he must be meaning the horn contacts up in the steering wheel well i uh, yeah i am
8: I, I, right and okay. uh, however all right, all it right. is i 'm not sure exactly how how it is, but the, 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 the bottom line is they're telling us that if we want to if we want the horn replay, if we want to fix the horn, so now she doesn't have have a horn, so if she wants to have a horn which she has to have a horn you got to you got replace the airbag
4: well there there is actually a way to make that work um and that is simply to run. The wires for that horn, because all that all that horn really does is that's a single wire looking for a ground source that turns on a relay to, to blow the horn. All you have to do is run it to a button on the dash, and just get a nice big button. And when she needs the horn, she just slaps that big button, and it would blow that's the horn. What, that, that's what I, that's that's. I'm not a mechanic, but that's what I thought could could be, be could be done.
8: But mechanics, both mechanics, never never said said that to us.
4: Well, and, they're generally and, not going to suggest well, I'll, that I'll, idea. I'll, I'll
8: tell you I'll tell you I'll tell you what they did say. Mm. They said that <laughs> as she's driving, if she shakes the wheel, the steering wheel,
6: uh-huh.
8: <laughs> If she if she gives it no seriously, if she gives the steering wheel a shimmy, the horn will work.
1: Wow. Yep. That is a crazy. You know, it's a safety item. Uh it doesn't sound serious, but a horn is a safety item, it right? It is. And, uh, of course. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm not even sure that a call, even though it's way out of warranty, uh, a call to Nissan might be in order. If you go to the 800 number, I would go on the email, put it in writing, but uh, if, if you have a safety defect on a car, even though it's out of warranty, something that might get their attention, and uh, it raises the issue is how long, or how many other Nissans might have the same problem. But uh, yeah. there, there should be something uh, that would be um, simpler than taking the airbag out. As far as to why the guy didn't suggest a, an alternate method, he, he gets paid exactly. a lot more. Yeah, you know, as, he as gets, I
8: say, she showed it to two mechanics, and neither one came up with an idea of of, uh, of uh, a of a button on, on 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 the dashboard. Yeah. You know, to, to make the I don't think
1: we found anything online because I know Rick's clicking around and Stu's clicking around on their. Uh, laptops and we don't see anything online about that, Mm -hmm. typically you would find that, but uh, Marva, thanks uh, and and glad that that, uh, you've got a solution, Rick recommends something, it's not what you'd like to have but I I think she should contact Nissan and I would go to a Nissan dealer first and just talk to them and then I would go to Nissan themselves and say this is a safety issue and uh, I would like a solution that is not going to require me to have to take my airbag out of the car. Yeah. Exactly.
8: Well, I appreciate your help with that.
1: Marvin, thank you. A great call. Interesting. Uh, I love things I've never heard before, and that's one I never heard. Thank you so much.
2: Yes.
8: Keep keep up the good work. Thanks,
2: Marvin. Oh, thank you so much. Give us a call again. Boy, that's a new one. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Earl's blog and newspaper column this week is entitled, Follow-up Letter to Florida Law Enforcement. You can read his blog at www.earloncars.com. You can also read it in the Florida Weekly and the Hometown News. If Earl gets a chance, he's going to discuss that column that he wrote. Give us a call toll-free at 877 960 or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Remember that new website that we have
1: Anonymous your, Feedback. You're Anonymous.
2: YourAnonymousFeedback.com. Very interesting, right? What a great idea.
1: Your Anonymous Feedback. Nobody knows where the suggestion came from. Yeah. And we had some, we've had some really good ones. Yeah. And we thank those of you that submitted them. I can't thank you personally because you're anonymous. <laughs> and uh, some of the uh, suggestions had to do with the structure of our show. and Nancy and Rick and Stu and I all brainstormed it and we talked about some things that we thought that we could do differently and uh, we've incorporated some of them and we will incorporate some more we want our show to be the best it can be for you to help you avoid being ripped off by a car dealer so if you want to write this down it's again something that you won't hear of very many places your anonymous feedback.com y-o-u-r-a-n-o-n-y-m-o-u-s-f-e-e-d-b-a-c-k.com it's really anonymous it's truly anonymous and some very big blue chip companies like tesla and the public broadcasting service and adobe i mean big blue chip companies that are serious about finding out what people really want to tell them you know too often you don't tell somebody something that's going to upset them. You're afraid that you know maybe there'll be retaliation. Sometimes you just don't want to hurt their feelings. Too often people will tell you what you what they think you want to hear. But what we want to hear is the truth as you see it. We might not agree with you, but we want to hear it. And we will seriously consider every comment. Your anonymous feedback. Youranonymousfeedback.com. And you cannot be identified. You can ask for a email return. It will be anonymous. The return, but I can. If you ca- it comes to me, and I will see your comment, and I will respond if you want me to. If you don't want me to, I can't. You have to enable me responding. And even if I do respond, I don't know who I'm responding to. It goes through the uh, company. The company is called uh, what is it? Uh, Incognito. With a N E A T. Incognito is the name of the company. I N C O G N E A T O. And that company, as I say, used by Tesla and Adobe and Public Broadcasting Service and of uh, several other blue chips. So this c- completely protects you against hackers or anybody trying to learn your identity. Your dot com would appreciate any comments you have
2: what a great idea very productive yeah. constructive criticism and we're always striving to do just a little bit better and with your help we'll achieve that 877 i think we know the, have another text
1: we oh do. no we have a caller didn't see the caller
2: Ah yes we do dawn welcome to the show Hey, Don, what's going on?
11: Well, I uh, wanted to buy a conversion van. Probably a lot of people don't even know what those are anymore. But, um, I took one for a test drive at a local dealer that was uh, a high-top one.
6: Mm-hmm. I
11: didn't want, so I'd have to order one, but I never drove a three-quarter ton. Mine were always half tons. Mm-hmm. I took it out for a test drive with my son and a salesperson, and the one they had, uh, the demo or one for sale, we got about, I don't know, blocked down the road in it and acted like somebody pulled a spark plug wire on Oh, boy. <laughs> it. I said, man, I said, I don't know how you're going to sell a truck like this. It's missing so bad. Yeah, well, we're going to take care of that. Don't worry about that. Otherwise, the truck rode great. So I ordered this conversion van, and it had to be converted in um, Indiana.
6: Uh-huh.
11: I got it back. I didn't test drive it. I signed the paper and did everything. I took it home. Immediately, this truck started doing the same thing. Oh, So. I said, uh, I called them up, and this was on, I took delivery on a Monday, and they said they couldn't get it, I called them on Tuesday, I believe it was, they couldn't get in until the following Monday. So I took it in, and I had the, sale, the tech go out with me, he admitted, yeah, there's a problem. I know what it is, I'm pretty sure, blah, blah. So they had it for two days, called me up, said it was fixed. So I asked the guy, I said, you sure, did you drive it? And he said, yes. So I went in, took it out, same thing.
1: Oh man!
11: But then I left it again that same day. I left it again. They checked into it when I they brought come back to get it uh, three days later. They told me that um, that it was uh, characteristic of that truck.
1: Oh, now he tells you, huh?
11: Characteristic of Normal the condition. truck. So yeah, I mean, they should have told me that when I drove it. Absolutely. Damn Anyway, I brought it back again. Actually, this would be the third time. Wow. And they got a bulletin from the factory, and it says that what I'm experiencing is what they call, you're going to look this, a random bump chuggle or fish (laughs) bite sensation.
1: Say that again. Don, Don, say that again, please.
11: A a random bump chuggle or fish bite sensation while cruising at 1,300
4: RPM. (laughs) Fish bite (laughs) sensation. As fish in being by, yeah. bitten yeah. by a well. fish. It sounds to me like yeah. the sharks in this company are biting you. Well, we won't even go into
1: the anatomy there, but what kind uh, of? What, there's something wrong there. What brand is it, Don? Uh, do, you, do you mind name? GMC. GMC. Do you mind naming the dealer? Yeah,
11: and then, yeah, now the tech, when I went back there yesterday to bring the vehicle, he agreed with me, said so he went out and did the same thing, and then he... And test drove it and said he experienced the same problem. But he showed me a bulletin from GM that came out July 16th that kind of explains this. And it says recommended instructions. If another vehicle exhibits the same concern, this should be considered a characteristic of the vehicle and no repair should be performed.
1: Oh, Lord. That is absolutely yeah, so, ridiculous.
11: Uh, well,
6: you
1: know, do, how does the Lemon Law fit into this problem? The Lemon Law, I, I'm, I'm a little worried because it's a conversion. And typically when you have a vehicle, manufacturer uh, is built by the manufacturer and it is changed, modified. Uh, the uh, General Motors, GMC, is going to give you a hard time because you sent it to Indiana to have the conversion done. Now I didn't. They
11: sent it. They, I bought it. <coughs> but you requested it. it. Yeah,
1: you requested it, right? Uh, it's not. It's not a. It's not a manufacturer conversion. It's a uh, third party, and manu and manufacturers are typically very nervous about any conversion or change to their product. Now, in this case here, it seems to me you would have an argument because they probably didn't convert the engine, and the engine is a problem. So. uh, uh, I think you still have an argument, but I cannot tell you for a fact that you would uh, be able to invoke the lemon law. I hate to ask anybody to check with an attorney, but uh, you might if you if you know an attorney. If not, I could probably give you one to uh, that would well, no, give I, you an opinion I'd, without a yeah. I,
11: yeah, I'm going to bring it back again and yeah. see what happens. With well, but, yeah, um, you can they, still. I bought it right from the dealer. Converted. I didn't.
1: I do. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you had asked it to be Okay, now so let's. No, I, they have one on the lot. Okay. But I didn't like it
11: because so, it had a high top on it. I said I like one like that, but I don't want yeah. like that high top.
1: Well, then you're 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 in good shape there because you, if you don't have a if you don't have a problem against GM's, if if you don't have a lemon log valid against uh, GMC, General Motors, you have a valid complaint against the dealer because one or the other is responsible for this. It's probably GMC. I would I would go with the Lemon Law. Uh, I would tell them uh, first, because you use it as a threat, that's the most powerful part about the Lemon Law, say, I don't want to do this because, uh, you know, it's not good for you, it's not good for me, it's not good for General Motors, uh, and therefore, uh, please fix this. And if they say, we can't, then you invoke the Lemon Law, which means that you have to give them three chances to fix it or they have to tell you they can't fix it. And then you certified return receipt mail, notify them that you're invoking the Lemon Law, and then your dispute will be disputed or be arbitrated by the Better Business Bureau here in Florida. And they'll have a panel of people General Motors will send a representative, you will represent yourself, or you can have an attorney, and then the panel will look at it, and they will see that you have a problem, and they will judge that you get your money back, prorated based on the amount of use that you've had out of the van. So far, it's
11: only got 400 miles on it, and that's going to and from the view. But if you win, they, uh, you'll get most of your money. They told me they can't fix it. It's a characteristic of the van.
1: Well, then that would be up to the uh, Lemon Law, Better Business Bureau arbitrators to decide. Rick has a comment. Yeah, I had never I, heard... When I
11: drove the one out and, that they had, I told them this isn't acceptable. you got to fix it. They should have told me right then that exactly. a characteristic of that truck. Yeah, they,
1: bought, bought. yeah they hung themselves right there. Don, the problem is that it was one on one. Now, if the salesman admits that uh, in front of a witness or in writing, then you got him. Well, my son
11: was my son was with on a- beautiful.
1: Okay, well, okay, then you've got two against one. That is going to enter very, very uh, critically into the into the lemon law issue, and uh, the fact that they clearly should have told you before you bought it. And you didn't find out about They probably didn't find find out about it until you took delivery. So I think you have an excellent chance of getting your money back. Uh, you sure you don't want to mention the, the dealer?
11: Well, yeah, it was Schumacher.
1: Okay. Uh, I would call Chuck Schumacher if I were you and let him know what's going on. You can use my name. You can tell him I know Chuck. Uh, you say I talked to Earl about it. He says you're a fair person. You run a good dealership. Uh, you do the right thing by people, and we talked about it on the radio show. Earl says for me to call you, and uh, uh, you can, you know, put the, you can call General Motors. You can ask for help, or you can do it yourself. I just want you to either fix my van or or trade me into another one that doesn't have this problem.
11: Yeah, no, in all fairness to them, uh, everybody's been great over there, and they're on my side. They just said they can't do anything about
1: it. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you go to the boss, uh, things can be done. And the one thing he can do is he can get you another van without having to invoke the lemon law or hire a lawyer. Rick has got a question.
4: Uh, well, like I was yeah, about I to say, know though,
11: that. The, I can't avoid that.
4: Yeah. I had never right. heard this term chuggle before, Yeah, <laughs> and but when I Google it for GMC and Chevy, this looks like it's an incredibly widespread problem across a lot of their light-duty and heavier-duty models. And I'm finding dozens of documents on diagnosis, and it, it looks like a really severe issue. Um, i got to tell you, if it were me, and and according to what you're feeling, this is quite a severe feeling, I would be looking yeah. at getting out of this vehicle completely, getting a refund and getting yeah, out of this that's vehicle. That's exactly
1: what he wants to do, Rick. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I, w- I would get away from it, not even want another one. Yeah. I'd want away from it.
1: Well, Don, yeah, uh, that's what I want to do. Yeah, Don what Okay. See what happens. Will you call us next Saturday and let us know how it goes?
2: Yeah, I sure will.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
2: Thank for thank thanks call. for The phone call 877-960-9960 Texas at 772-497-6530. We're going to go to Bennett. Bennett is calling from West Palm Beach. Hey, good morning,
12: everyone. Morning. morning. I uh, called a couple I called a couple weeks ago about uh, Extend warranties on on new cars. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, last week I was li- I was listening to the show and I caught the end of the answer of um, about certifying cars because so many people buy used cars mm-hmm. today uh, and they offer it. And what is the correct uh, answer or response to get a, a certified vehicle um, that's almost out of warranty or has no warranty on it at all? Do you recommend it? Thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, Ben, uh, certified cars are often certified with the expectation that you will buy the extended warranty. Uh, There's two good things about certified cars. The manufacturer, uh, for a manufacturer certified, now be careful because a car dealer can say this is a certified car. That means he certified it. You want to be sure if you're buying a Honda, it's Honda certified, or a Chevrolet, it's General Motors certified. So uh, the manufacturer certification process requires it meets certain criteria, mileage, and condition. It also requires the dealer do an extensive check and uh, examination of the car and that passes examination or the problems, they'd be corrected. Finally, you'll be strongly encouraged to buy an extended warranty. Now, my advice is, if you're buying a reliable car, you've checked it out on Consumer Reports, and it is certified by the manufacturer, you can skip the warranty. Or, if you feel better about having the uh, security of knowing that if there is a problem, it'll be repaired, uh, you can pay out of pocket for the warranty. The warranties are expensive, and uh, I believe I'm a gambler. If I buy a good car that's been recommended, and I know the certification process has been gone through, I'd save myself six hundred dollars, or a thousand dollars, or two thousand right, right. dollars, and I just buy the car.
12: I see. Now, also, um, so you rec- so you don't recommend getting the car certified? No, because you know, like I mean, it's cars are mechanical, and anything can happen, even in good vehicles.
1: Yeah, no. When, uh, I, when I say well, you no, you want it should be it should be certifiable, but you don't want to buy the warranty necessarily unless you need the peace of mind from that. I think uh, the warranty company, the manufacturer, insurance companies—they make a lot of money selling warranties. They right. al- they always make more money selling the warranties than you get back in repairs from defects.
12: So if you know you're buying a new car and you buy the extended warranty for another three years or. X amount of miles. You don't recommend that, even though you know you're going to keep the car for five or six years uh, Bennett, to get the extended warranty at a lower price.
1: It depends on the car, Bennett. If you're buying a Fiat, yeah. by all means, buy the extended warranty. If you're buying a Jeep, no, I won't be. If you're buying a good car, like a Honda or a Nissan or even a Hyundai, Kia. I mean, good. Good quality car, and check Consumer Reports. There's no better source. You know, whatever new car you want to buy, uh, check it out. And if it's got, if it's, if it's recommended by Consumer Reports, I would buy it. Take the manufacturer's warranty, and I would not buy the extended warranty. You don't need it on a good car.
12: Okay, thank you for the information. Have a wonderful day.
1: Great call, Bennett. Thank you. You have a wonderful day too.
2: I have a private text that I'd like to share with you. We are running out of time. We do need to get to the Mystery Shopping Report. First, I want to thank John. I want to thank John from Palm City for keeping me informed on the mailers that come through the mail. I I can't stress to you how dangerous they are. I'm going to hold one up right here that John sent me from Treasure Coast. And uh, boy, it's a doozy. I have a uh, text that came through. What is the difference between a factory car advertisement and a dealer advertisement? This here is the innocent part of mailers. The part that's going to become very dangerous is if you pay attention to that mailer and get to the dealership that is sending you the mailer. There are so many ways for them to take advantage of you. Earl? what do you have to say about that topic about the advertisement uh... that comes through the mail and what is the difference between the manufacturer and the dealer advertisement
1: manufacturing uh... advertisements typically won't break the law uh... i don't like manufacturers advertisements either because they put a lot of stuff in the fine print that can't be read most of the manufacturers advertising i see is tv and it's literally impossible to read the disclosure So. I think they're breaking the law. I think they're violating the Federal Trade Commission. But the dealer advertising is far worse. So it's a question between bad advertising and terrible advertising. Manufacturer's advertising typically is bad, but the dealer advertising is off the wall terrible. So uh, ignore all advertising. The worst of the worst is what Nancy just held up with the direct mail. That's the worst of the worst. Ignore all advertising. Take control. Buy a Consumer Report, subscribe online to Consumer Reports, get online, Google. uh, There's a wealth of information on the Internet, and you do your own advertising and don't rely on the dealer telling you what the deal is, because the deals the manufacturers and the dealers give you are too good to be true.
2: The mailers want to get you in the door. They'll do whatever they can to tantalize you, to stir your curiosity and Treasure Coast, uh, John just sent me a mailer for, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing before I even say this, $25,000 lucky ball. Whoa. Anyway, be careful of the mailers, whether it comes from the manufacturer or the dealer. We've got Down three texts here, and we've got to get to, to the, the recovering Charlie. car dealer. Well, let's, let's
1: see how many texts we can get through before we do the Mr. Well, well I
0: think I can help with these out pretty fast. We have two quick mechanical-type t- mechanical questions and one for you. So the first one is, um, do, do tire monitors go bad very often? Do tire monitors get less reliable as cars age? And then the other question was, what would happen if you use E85 fuel in a car that I'm not sure if it would be okay to use? Tire
4: pressure monitors mounted in the wheel that send a signal to the computer, tell how much air pressure you have. Lifespan on those, most cars 7 to 10 years, and they're not super expensive to replace. They do keep their accuracy throughout their lifespan, so nothing to worry about there. When that light starts to blink at you, that's when you've got an issue with one of those sensors. Um, E85 fuel, if you put that into a car that is not designed for it, you will cause massive damage to the fuel system Hmm. and massive damage to your wallet. Don't do it. Also, be advised, look on your fuel cap because your fuel cap will specify up to E10 or up to E15 Because some stations now have E15 fuel, and only the cars that are two or three years old are rated to handle E15. So be sure that you get the right fuel for
0: your car.
1: Thank you, Rick.
0: All right. And the the last one is from Steve in Palm Beach Gardens, and he said he didn't get to hear the beginning of the show. He wanted to know if you addressed the situation of your hiring practices, which he heard on the local news.
1: oh Uh Uh-oh. Actually, uh, we, have a, uh, we have a press conference uh, on our hiring practices. Believe it or not, uh, my dealerships are being sued by a man who applied for a job as a salesperson because we hired a woman instead. We've only got about 30% of our sales force as women, 25. Eh.
0: Uh, oh, no, no, no. I uh, was saying that's uh, not why he, yeah. s- he sued us. Yeah. But
1: that's so uh, w- uh, we hired the woman. Uh, we also have on our head on our hiring site, Hirology, that we were uh, aggressively trying to hire women. That's true. And uh, it's true. He filed <laughs> a complaint with the uh, EEOC, the Employment Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, uh, federal EEOC. The federal EEOC said they ruled against him and the fact that we did not discriminate against him uh, is because he was a man. We discriminated against him because he wasn't a good salesman and we hired the woman instead. But the EEOC also said we violated the law by saying that we were aggressively trying to hire women and we were favoring women right. in our hirings. Just
0: quick correction: we didn't hire the, a, a woman in, instead. No, was, we yeah, no, we no, we didn't. No, no, We didn't.
1: He said we... He thought we did. He thought we did. And now we're being sued by the same gentleman, and in fact, we're having to fly to Tallahassee. It's a federal hearing, um, because, again, we violated the law, and we're taking the position that we did not do that, and uh, we'll be all over the news next week, because all three local TV channels, the Miami Herald, the Palm Beach Post, we're having a press conference with our attorneys on Monday morning at 11 o'clock and it'll hit the news because we think we're doing the right thing by trying to hire more women. Absolutely. We have about 30% women. We want to have about 50% women because women are really good employees. And they're about half the population. We think they should be half of the workforce. Exactly. But they're not. So they're being discriminated against. And that's what we're doing. And now i got to read the mystery shopping report.
2: Yes. But let me add to that that the Boys Club will finally get it for several reasons women make great sales people and also guess what it generates a whole lot of traffic in your direction the sales goes up it doesn't go down
1: okay mystery shop of shira auto sales West Palm beach shira. i'm gonna spell that for you. you just
0: you just revealed the name
1: that yeah, was a big well, secret. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys, if it wasn't you, <laughs> if you were waiting all this time. But, <laughs> I
1: just,
0: I but please, stay It's tuned. not Napleton. Stay with us. Yeah, here's <laughs> that Napleton.
2: Stay with us. Yeah, stick around anyway. It might not be your dealership. Yeah, yeah. But this is going to be. Enjoy this. This is going to be a whole lot of, well, I hate to use the word fun, but.
0: It's going to make you feel real good.
2: Yeah.
1: Sure,
0: <laughs> Warm and fuzzy.
2: <laughs>
1: S-C-H-I-R-R. Yes. Uh, I spell that because uh, we shop this buy-here-pay-here here lot on Military Trail in Westmont Beach. Uh, we never investigated this small independent dealership, and we never even heard of it. I mean, I've been around for a long time, and uh, I thought I knew all the car dealers. Never heard of this little guy on uh, Military Trail. But we're trying to d- uh, develop a portfolio of buy-here-pay-here here lots because we've been asked by folks that are helping people with bad credit by cars uh, we're trying to get a recommended list so far we've only got one recommended
0: yeah that's uh oh in gosh in it was stewart. the wallace yeah it was the wallace store in, yeah well, easy
1: pay easy pay in stewart florida yes. is the only one on the buy here pay here um, as soon as we found shara's we knew we were in for some fun and i put that in quotation because we're going to laugh a lot during this report but it's sad at the same time because people are victimized and people that are least prepared to be taken advantage of economically and otherwise. So I'll, we'll chuckle and we'll get a laugh out of it, but we know it's serious. The first thing that jumped out at us was their terrible online reputation. Uh, never seen anything this bad. One star Yelp. Have you ever seen? A one star. I don't think there can be no stars. You have to give them. You gotta give them a star. You gotta give at them a least star. One star. So the worst Yelp rating, a two star, better business bureau. I mean, you have to be, you have to be insane not to have better than a two star. But with a better business bureau, you don't have to do anything. You can buy respo- them, but respond yeah. to their complaints. Well, for
0: the gray, there's two, There's yeah. two components. There's there's oh. the reviews, and then there's a grade, yeah. and they got a C, which okay. is really kind of like an F. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then finally, a 2.7-star Google rating, which is really low. Now, by the way, for all you disreputable people out there, should I tell them? You can, you you can fix that overnight. You can <laughs> fix it. There are companies you hire to raise your Google rating. One of them is called Podium, and uh, there are ways to fix your Google. You can still be you can still be a crook and you can still take advantage of people. Yeah, don't worry about that. You can raise your Google <laughs> rating. Now, uh, Stu uh, told me about this. If you see somebody with five stars, be very skeptical because you can fix your Google rating all the way up pretty much as high as you want to go. So when you check a company's Google rating, look at the three stars. Three stars and then read the report. Just don't look at the stars because the three stars are people that said this. they weren't terrible and this is why we think they weren't good. So be careful with Google and Yelp and all the other. Uh, don't go for the real good ones and stay away from the real bad ones because if a guy's got a re- real bad Yelp or Google, he's too stupid to even know that he can rig his uh, rating and raise it. So that's what happened here. uh That said, any business that earns mostly once I just said that too. It wasn't just bad reviews that caught our eye. It was the responses to the reviews that were posted by shares management or owners. And this is unbelievable. Experts advise businesses to avoid getting into conflicts with the posters of negative reviews and simply apologize and offer to help fix the problem. Shira's auto sales have chosen to ignore this advice, and they go to the attack. <laughs> if you criticize them, they come after you. Coincidentally, the first review we saw was left by someone we know in the radio business. This is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, are we, what, we can say his name because it's public uh, yeah.
1: online. What are the chances? He gave them, this guy we know, he gave them a one-star review and accused them of selling him an unsafe car. In all caps, he called them liars and cheats. <laughs> Shear's, re- <laughs> Shear's response was to accuse this gentleman of unreasonable expectations. <laughs> now we know the guy, and he's a smart guy. Yeah, nice guy. Uh, uh, he's not unreasonable. He's not unreasonable. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm not even. I'm not going to mention his name. Okay. I just uh, here's his actual review. Uh, one star. It was four weeks ago. Shady liars, untrustworthy. All they care about is selling a car. I bought many used cars. This one was just bad, but was not just bad, but unsafe to drive. They would not even return phone calls. Don't believe a word they say. They are liars, cheats, untrustworthy, and should be put out of business. Now, as I say, Stu and I know this guy, and he has a radio show. And uh, not me, (laughs) But, but he's fair and honest. And I have no reason to believe that he's not being totally honest in this review. Here's a response to uh, this complaint. We have addressed this complaint numerous times and have concluded, and I'm going to blank out his name here, partly because he's difficult to pronounce.
0: (laughs) That's that's the only reason why you're not doing it. (laughs) No, I
1: I just don't want to... Mr. H. (laughs) Mr. H, yeah. Mr. H. Has unreasonable expectations. Anytime he has a problem with his older Jaguar, he feels we should fix it for free or real badmouth this on his radio show. Now, that's just not true. The guy's telling the truth. There are a dozen more just like this. A very unhappy customer posts a one-star review and shares comments. Shira responds on the offensive. Here's the the, uh, review. Sucks dealer every...
0: it doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> yeah,
1: sucks dealer ever. They told me an Acura TL03 for, uh, for $8,000 with 160. Six, it turns out 166,000 miles on it. The worst thing is the car had a transmission problem. Worst dealer ever. Response. Jeff, I'm sorry you're not entirely happy <laughs> with your purpose. It
0: doesn't sound like he's even partially happy.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure we have never let a car go out of here with a bad transmission. Never. L- listen to this. How could that even be possible? Did you drive out of here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Then they accuse him. How many miles did you put on it before you concluded yeah. it had a bad transmission? How did you drive it? A car with 166,000 miles will always require maintenance and repairs. <clears throat> really, really crazy. One of our favorite responses includes the line, If man breaks it, God makes it. No, if man man makes it, it breaks. Yeah, if man makes it, it breaks. If God makes it, it dies.
0: That was very profound.
1: Very strange, too. (laughs) Very very strange. I mean, I'm really, I'm starting to get a little fearful now, too, because, uh, well, so far I haven't been physically attacked, but. We had a good life. Yeah, all right. We had a good laugh reading these, but we didn't forget the reason we looked them up in the first place, to find a Takata-afflicted vehicle. We searched Shira's inventory listed on their website. They didn't have many vehicles, just 32 used cars listed for sale. We looked at the ones most likely to be under Takata recall and zeroed in on a 2010 Ford Fusion listed for sale for $7,995. We clicked on the listing and tried to find the VIN. We couldn't. The VIN was not displayed anywhere in the listing. Never seen this before. Nope. We did, however, find a link that read Click here for VIN. Now we're in the Twilight Zone. (laughs) This is Twilight Zone. Ten years. None of this stuff have we ever seen before. We clicked the link and opened up a form that required us to enter a phone number and an email address. So we put in one of our alias phone numbers in one of our alias email addresses. We got a whole bunch of them, by the way. We waited a few minutes, then received the VIN by email. Really Mm -hmm. mysterious. This was a first for us, and we couldn't help but think that most consumers probably wouldn't go through the trouble we did. Anyway, we ran the VIN on SaferCar.gov, Carfax, AutoCheck, and Ford's own recall website, and saw that this Fusion had a passenger side a Calderico. That was the only vehicle they had with a recall We de- deployed Agent X to investigate. And uh yeah, got five minutes to go. This thing about the VIN weird. Has to be a way to keep people from checking the VIN. Yeah. No there'd be no other reason not to put the VINs on. Unnecessary speed bump. I got to Shears Auto on Military Trail around 5:30. Wandered around the tiny lot, looking for the 2010 Ford Fusion with the recall. A man with tattoo-covered arms approached me and asked me what I was looking for. I hesitate. Is that politically incorrect now to talk about tattoos? Yeah, it is what it is. I apologize to all our tattooed. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Colin and that just showed me his tattoo. I got Stu's got a tattoo, so at any rate, I said hello. Told him my name and asked about the Fusion. The man said his name was Jimmy and that the Fusion was sold this morning. Without missing a beat, Jimmy said so he had another car in the same price range, led me to a rough looking 2010.
2: Hang on, was, I want to show you my tattoo. Okay. No, go ahead. Toilet Corolla.
1: <laughs> he said, I could tell you this one right now, I can sell you this one right now for 8995 I asked him if I could take a look inside. Jimmy said he had a better idea. We could go inside and finalize my numbers and financing. Then we'd come back out and drive it. We'll be real quick, he said. I was annoyed. And I said, I, I, he could tell I was annoyed. I told him I had been shopping around. I just left Naples at Kia because of mistreatment from my salesperson. I said, I would have no problem walking away if I felt I was being played. Jimmy was visibly irritated and said he'd go get the the keys. He left me outside while he retrieved the keys and returned with a scowl on his face. He unlocked the car while I walked around it, observed mismatched paint, several panels, dents, scratches, a section of missing grill, one completely bald tire, a missing wheel cover. I popped the hood and checked out the engine compartment. I asked Jimmy if it was mechanically sound. He replied that uh, they check the cars out after they are sold. After they're sold. Weird. That's weird. Everything's weird about this. I sat inside. It was a rat. I hate to use that. Auto vernacular. We sorry. car dealers use that a lot. It smelled bad and had cigarette burns all over the interior. I didn't want to, but I asked Jimmy if we could drive it. Jimmy said since we had not yet come to terms, he would have to ask the owner and he, uh, to drive it. Jimmy led me up to the patio office where we met Vito, the owner.
2: Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not going to make a comment
1: because I know that would be politically incorrect. I can. Vito he can. <laughs> Vito said hello, and I asked him why I couldn't drive the car to see how it sounded and drove. He replied by asking me what it would take for me to buy and drive at home. I said I had to drive it first. Vito came back with a discount. How about if I lower the price to 7999 right now? Would that help? I feigned interest and said, hmm, let me take another look. Jimmy and Vito watched as I walked back to the Corolla. I tried to open the trunk, but it wouldn't open. I sat in the driver's seat and started the engine. I felt the AC cool, not cold. I walked back to the two men and said to Vito, it's missing a chunk of the grill. The trunk doesn't open. It needs new tires. I'd like to see a Carfax report. Love this. It was as if he didn't even hear me. He asked me what I thought about the car. <laughs> I said I just asked him about the Carfax report. Vito said he could give me a Carfax report, but you have to charge me $32. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Twilight zone. However, he said he would fix the trunk latch, and he'd already ordered the grill. If it just hadn't arrived yet, I don't believe that. I asked him if there were safety issues. He said he didn't know of any. He pivoted away from the condition of the car, asked me how I planned financing. I said I was going to make it easy and pay cash uh, using my credit union as a source of funds. I said I need the final figures to bring them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read fast because i got two minutes. Vito said, all right, let's talk turkey. We went inside of Vito's <laughs> office. He had a messy desk and a big, mean, mar- barking pit bull. <laughs> Behind the barrier it set up. <laughs> there was a sign on it. And we sat down. There's a pit bull. Uh, uh, he barked at me. Vito wrote out the order on a plain piece of paper. $799.95. $500 dealer fee. 489 tax. A pit bull barking at me. $8,984. I said he had to do better. The pit bull barked again. Seven ninety nine ninety five. I am getting worried now. I said to make it eight thousand. Pitbull still barking. Veto, mashing the keys on an old adding machine.
0: Old I'm, school. I mean, old, not even I mean, old school. Ancient school. we? we,
1: uh, we, uh, we, uh, we uh, I can't read anymore. We ran. We didn't walk. We ran. I had to come back and get my car. I was terrified. Uh, most amazing unbelievable shopping report we've ever had, okay. the dog. <coughs>
2: We're running out of time. Yeah. I'm uh. going to vote. Okay, first of all, uh, the trunk wasn't locked. Okay? The trunk wasn't locked. Uh, the reason that uh, our mystery shopper couldn't look in the trunk is because there were bodies in the trunk.
6: <laughs> That's number
2: one. We'll get that, we'll clear that up right there. The grade for me, F. And look, get that pit bull for under F. control.
0: F. F. I don't know. I'm going to give him a C minus.
1: what? Because I love I dogs. Mean, you know something? I'm oh, gonna, you gonna I'm points for the dog. <laughs> I'm going to call the Department of Vehicles. I can't believe this guy exists. <laughs> I don't believe he has a believe de- I, I bet he you're doesn't ca-
2: you're, ca- you're calling the Department of Vehicles. So I'm going to call my people.
1: we got to go. <laughs> I'm calling Big
0: Dog Ranch Rescue.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Big dog ranch. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, guys. What a fantastic show. To the people in the control room, Jonathan and Colin, thank you so much for your participation. Join us next week right here at the True Oldies Channel.